Go on, save New Orleans. What they got down there worth saving? What, jazz? Jazz music? I hate jazz music. Sound like a long car accident involving some cats. Well, hi there, strangers. Uh, We've been gone for quite a bit. Just a minute. And you know what? George Bush doesn't care about Black people, (laughs) but we do. We do. And this episode, we're doing season two, episode nine of the Boondocks, Invasion of the Katrinas. Nope. In which? Nope. Katrinians. The Katrinians. (laughs) Okay. In which a family who's displaced by Hurricane (laughs) Katrina shows up looking for a place to stay, and Granddad tries to get rid of them as quickly as possible. Uh, But before we get into all that good, good, you guys... You guys, so MJ still got some shit going on. Her, you know, one day she, her kid's going to be like a major league baseball player, and and you know, we'll we will have like repara- reparations from that. So, oh yeah, we'll, we'll be, we will be the Katrina. We will totally be the Katrina. <laughs> but we have a special guest in the meantime, Mr. Drake. So, not that yeah, Drake, yeah. not that Drake, the cooler yeah. one. <laughs> The good one. Do you you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> the dark skin version. <laughs> um, how y'all doing? I am Drake or Mr. D713 with Everything Culture, the podcast for all culture, the podcast for purpose. Um, thank y'all for welcoming me on here. Um, yeah, yeah. I've once again been a fan, been checking y'all out for some time ever since I jumped on Twitter. Um, um, well, we were able to uh, have a little episode together for, was it New Year's? Yeah. Was, we yeah. About, That's right. It was it Trump or was it New no, Year's? That was, it was one of those. That was the election. That was election the night. election. Yeah, election we got our live stream. That's right. Yeah, that was exciting. I was, that, I was um, in a mental health episode for like a while there. So I don't remember a lot of it. Thank God. <laughs> hey, you got, hey it, it was wild times. We got to take care of ourselves. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we been podcasting close to two years, going over two years now. Um, my podcast is really about learning and talking to different people, having different guests to come on to have a conversation about their backgrounds, traditions, upbringing, social norms, beliefs, cultures. Um, our mission statement comes from the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And those are, he believed that men hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of segregation and miscommunication. So our platform is built off the pillars of respect, communication, consistency, so we can love each other, we, so we can get to know each other, so we can love one another. So, mm-hmm. and I talk a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. We have fun, you know, Good. we have fun. Good. I like Good that. Stuff. You were talking before the show about like talking to family members uh, for your podcast. And I just kept thinking there is so much about my family that I have no idea about. Um, (laughs) I like (laughs) most of my contact with my dad's well, with both sides of my family is like Facebook. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have a connection with family. My dad moved up to Seattle uh, in 74 
and mm-hmm. we rarely went to visit, you know? So mm-hmm. like I have cousins who the last time I saw them, I was 15 years old, 16 years, somewhere wow. around there. Um, you know, and they're all grown ups with kids themselves now. And like, I haven't seen them in person in several decades. <laughs> and and I, once again, bringing them on and having this conversation, some of these family members, I think I thought I knew well, but I haven't even started on my dad's side yet. So we have, like, I think I have four more episodes for the end of season three of Everything Culture. And I have a Father's Day episode coming up soon. And I have three more that's going to be specific with the family. So I got to do, I did the ones with my cousins. They're like in their 40s, 50s. I have my aunt's uncle, which, which is in their 70s, mm-hmm. called 64, 70. Um, then I'm bringing in the 30s around my age and I'm bringing in the mid-20s. I take the back. I may do an extra one if I can get them. Given in the recent graduates, they're like 18, 19. Nice. So, because once again, when we talk about culture, a lot of people think of your ethnicity and think, no, your generation, your age, that's your culture as well. Absolutely. And and the way people think is so unique. And man, when I tell you my my pristine aunts and uncles, you think they've been so good and well-behaved because they've been kind of, they did the same stuff we were doing when they were teenagers, but we Never sit down and have that conversation with them. You can say, oh, okay. That, or you realize why I found out my grandmother, my, I did not know my grandmother and grandfather came from different, two different type of churches. Ooh. You know, they were, <laughs> and it makes sense. My grandmother was Kojic and I like, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, wow. <laughs> we went to church almost every day. But it's old enough. <laughs> oh. <Whew>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When people, when people, you think people joke about, no, seriously, like my grandfather used to have to come and tell I'm taking these kids. They have to go to school in the morning. Like we'll be at like revivals to like one o'clock in the morning. But oh my gosh, that's a whole different wow. culture right there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> that's that's just amazing. I mean, I I always joke with my friends that my parents didn't tell me shit until I found it out as adults, um, and that's generally true on most of the things in my life, including things like a sister. And <laughs> an uncle with a whole nother side of the family and you know a bunch of stuff like that you know my Common my great grandfather might not be my great grandfather that kind of thing uh, <laughs> <sighs> yeah that's fine so, so it's it's fascinating to me the idea of of getting to know all of that you know like especially because now with um with 23 and me for for my for me personally um, you know, more people are doing these DNA tests. And I did 23andMe along with my mother and my half-sister and like hundreds of thousands of second and third cousins out there. Like, <laughs> right? Time for a family reunion. Time for a family reunion. I have to say, y'all bold as fuck. I've been crossing my family on this podcast. <laughs> You've been watching this episode about <laughs> drinks like, and you as well, TR, were like, oh yeah, I saw a lot of my family in this. I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> I, I, I am not going there. I'm not saying shit. Well, most of my experiences with my family are from like the 80s and 90s. Like literally mm-hmm. my dad's side of the family, you know, and my dad and I, we didn't have, you, Lindsay, you know this, you've heard a lot about this. We didn't have the kind of relationship where we talked to each other mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and so there was a lot that I didn't know about him. A lot that like my mom told me once I was an adult, you know, things that he did that resulted in him having to join the military and go to Vietnam twice. Um, Mm. and you know, like it wasn't until I was much older that I found out the reasons why my dad was such a hardcore Democrat considering some of the views he had did not, did not line up with it. 
and like understanding that that it that was a cultural thing for him that voting democrat mm-hmm. was something you do and like mm-hmm. now just going through this last election cycle where we had like Joe Biden that was like if you don't vote for me you're not black like Oh, did y'all listen to the episode I did about? Oh no, I haven't. Oh man, that was that I was said. something that made my dad come to me and ask me to start talking about socialism to him, and I was like, "Okay, you're ready to hear me now." <laughs> and you, once again, what we're doing right here is a true craft. So y'all keep it up. But when I tell you, when you, when my family, I just bring them in is also showing. Hey, I need to pay attention to what I'm doing. I'm just not just you know pulling stuff out my butt. <laughs> yeah. But um, when that episode. It w- that was the episode we had fun on right before the George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery murder, <laughs> and and then we found out Breonna Taylor. You know, it just mm-hmm. it, that was when the summer c- kicked off. Yeah, and but I remember when I saw that, I'm like, I had a replay. I know he didn't say that. I know it was it was like I was living in the Boondocks episode. Mm-hmm. I like I know that just didn't happen. Like this is a joke, you know? Right, and, right. I thought it was like. I because I didn't hear him say it or see the thing until later. I saw something on Twitter about it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, is there like an Onion article or something?" And then I'm like, "No, no, he actually nope. fucking said that." He okay, actually <laughs> said that. Um, what they say? He was caught in 4K. That's what they think. He was like legit, and the rash. And that's what we had a conversation. It was me, the truck cast, um, my previous, you know, when I, one of the creators of Everything Culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and another podcaster and we was like, we was like first time zooming and we were just having a good time. And we talked about that. You know, I was, I don't claim like, which I was asked on the show when you come on, hopefully y'all come on soon. Um, and I interview people separately cause I want to know individual what they believe in themselves, but what you identify as, mm-hmm. um, Democrat is not what I identify as. Some people, they may feel like that. I was not born a Democrat and it's not a gang to me. And, I was a caseworker for two years for the state of Texas and I was guardian lion and worked a lot in family law court and I'm kind of in between and watching this like I don't because once again I have views on both sides you know and I grew up on food stamps I grew up for I've seen mm-hmm. the size of different points I'm from mm-hmm. Fort Worth okay and <laughs> I'm like but when I come to that aspect where man do I have to join this gang to be accepted to be appreciated. And that's what it feels like to me. It feels like such a gang related. And, I, and one of my favorite movies is Gangs in New York. If you ever watch it, man, if you haven't watched yeah. it, check it out. It's very long, <laughs> but it shows how like, this is really gang. You would get fucked up <laughs> back in the day mm-hmm. for voting. Mm-hmm. This is serious. Yeah, it's, so, that's uh, actually, that, that's a, <laughs> I, I fully 100% agree with you on that. I feel like I was born quote unquote, a Democrat. Like I was mm-hmm. raised through, you know, you a D? <laughs> well, you know, no, you got I had a, got my, a my dad, um, oh, pictured symbol. himself as, um, as a, I guess what you would call it a progressive. Now he's, he's pictured himself as still that, you know, black kid growing up in the South and having to deal with, you know, everything that he had to deal with in, you mm-hmm. know, the forties, fifties, sixties. Um, but his coping mechanisms in the 50s and 60s are what got him sent to Vietnam or prison. Like he had that choice. Um, so like coming out of that as, you know, oh, the, the Democrats at this point, you know, we're looking at like Kennedy time um, and and then beyond and seeing that, you know, the Democrats are really like trying to do the the, the right thing for black people. And therefore that became his 
his gang. His for rationalization yeah. for it. Absolutely. Absolutely understand. Same thing with on the Republican side. Mm-hmm. People feel like that represented power. <laughs> it represented yeah, their right. morals there. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, when we t- I talk about morals a lot, where do they come from? Why do you feel like that? Because if your grandmother told you to do it, and everybody loved their grandmother and their grandpa, you know, pop, pop, you know, so they have to be right. So when it comes down to debunking some of these things that you're right, that I've done is culture diversity in Texas, but DEI work I've been doing for years and years on. It's like to have that conversation is growth. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some people, if you would have came to me at the age of 19 and if you would have told me you're not supposed to put butter on a burn, I would have told you to kiss my ass. And I probably would have fought you. <laughs> I was like, Dean totally <laughs> burst into laughter over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm, uh, but I am be, being dead serious. Three academic scholarships, one full ride, top one of the top in my class. You know, you know, smart kids. You know, but if you would say like, but no, no, you put butter on a burn, and if you would have said something like, no, that's stupid as hell. Okay, now you've activated my. We have a problem, Chip. Okay, mm-hmm. because you call my grandmother stupid. All right. Mm. Yep. But that's that's what we come down to. Once again, me doing CPS where when you work with kids. And I work with volunteers. I work for an organization named CASA. It started oh, up here in yeah. Seattle. I work with CASA all the yeah. time. Oh, yeah. So or it was to, child- I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I'm a volunteer with them now. And I'm very, since, you know, I used to, I do the train, I've done trainings with them. I train thousands of volunteers, work with hundreds of kids. Now, for, for people out there that don't know what CASA is, um, court appointed special advocates. There are volunteers that are trained. So when it started here in Seattle, Washington by judge judge by the name of David Suku. Judge Suku um, was getting overwhelmed. He was not getting accurate information from the attorneys and the caseworkers. Being a caseworker is a very hard job. Hug a caseworker, ask for permission first, then give, give buy him a shot, something, you know, help him out. You know, it's, it's very stressful work. <laughs> but he was not getting enough information and some of these attorneys were not being upfront because they're, they're stressful as well. Yeah, but we, we ain't going to go down our And, right and it and might not be in their best interest or their client's best interest. Bingo, mm-hmm. there you go. And so just, it was a case, I think it was a little Mary, no, Mary Allen has how CPS started. But, um, but it was a little girl that she was being abused and CPS and the attorneys dropped the ball. So he said to his bailiff one day, like, hey, do you know any people that can come out and help? Anybody, anybody's willing to volunteer something, just a few people. That was on a Friday. Judge came back Monday, and it was a courtroom full of people, full of people who were ready, ready to help. And this was in 1964, I may be mistaken, maybe 76. But even in 1964, 1974, I used to know this like the back of my hand. Um, you but, definitely know more details than I do. <laughs> yeah, and cost has grown to be nearly 1,000 um, programs nationwide. Um, the program I was part of in Houston was one of the largest programs in the nation. Um, and we serve between four to 5,000 children in Harris County. Harris County had a lot of kids. It had the most cases of CPS cases in the nation. And other than Dade County is right behind that. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you, the when, you, when you're a volunteer, you don't know. You, you Some people just get some people have good hearts. Some people don't. And I, I was over all the trainings for the volunteers, especially coming into culture diversity. And I had to tell people all the time, same thing I do with my show, basically everything I do with everything culture I brought from my trainings, I brought into the podcast form. And it's hard trying to tell people like, hey, I know you was raised to believe this. I know you have all these preconceived notions, but when you come here, I'm trying to teach you something new. 
Okay, something you may not have heard before, because when you go into a, a family's house, especially no matter what happened, they they could have spanked their child, neglect them, left them, you know, left them in a car, whatever the case may be. You treat this person with respect because mm-hmm. that's what how we're going to get to the end goal. And you'd be surprised how if you just treat a mother, a father, an aunt, uncle, cousin, just, hey, tell me and ask what's your side of the story? What happened? Mm-hmm. And what do you want? They would tell you. They were like, absolutely. Thank they would just be so shocked and happy for somebody just to listen to them. I like I <laughs> working with the population that I do, I, I tend to get a lot of foster kids or you know, mm-hmm. people in transitional housing and, you know, a lot of a lot of trauma in in their backgrounds. Um, and like, that's how I end up working with with CASA workers at like wraparound team meetings mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I really do. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that I absolutely notice with especially with the black and brown families that I work with um mm-hmm. Because I work in a program that traditionally is just kind of like where where they send the behavior kids. Um, mm-hmm. It used to be that I would get a lot of flack from the parents because they had never had a teacher tell them anything good about their kid. They never mm-hmm. had a teacher call unless there was an emergency or something that their kid had done and that they now have to like deal with it. Um, and in my first year of teaching that program, I made a rule that we only call home with good things unless it's something dangerous. And that like by the end of that year, I had two parents who had never like in person actually come into an IEP meeting who were like, I'm actually friends with one of them on Instagram now. She she added me yesterday. (laughs) She wanted me to see, you know, the the little girl that I worked with growing up. And so like some of those families are just waiting for someone. Hmm. Isn't that a good feeling? Oh, it's wonderful. You know, some of these families are just really waiting for somebody to see them. And to see that yeah. they are that there's nothing that that they're not bad, you know, that like that family in particular, <laughs> mom was a single mom with five kids and they had just gotten housing, permanent housing when when mm-hmm. that student came into my class and that student diagnosed, of course, with emotional and behavior disorders, which I fully disagree with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I only had her for, well, if you count last year's weird year, I had her for a year and a half and then a half a year of we basically just had social groups online. Um, but, you know, I had her for a year and a half. And in that time, you know, it went from mom would never answer anything when I would call home to like mom texting with me every day. And yeah. like full on when that child was going into middle school, mom was like, I kind of wish that she could just stay here so she could stay with you. <laughs> so like things like that, like these, these families, they just, they just need the people with the good hearts to actually be there. And you oh, know, yeah. a lot of us with the good hearts are getting burnt out really fucking quick. Uh, overwhelmed. Absolutely. <laughs> so. oh, I absolutely understand. That's why you got to have your emotional bank account. You got to take care of yourself. You can't go broke <laughs> trying to, you know, wear out. I, I still have my mentees. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I'm telling. I used to. I used to train people. I still. Somebody hit me up for a personal training. So, like managing volunteers, managing yourself. I can come off being very playful. I don't. I don't. I guess I don't speak my resume enough. But um, I, I was doing a space. <laughs> we need to do a space on Clubhouse. Not Clubhouse on Twitter. So I wanted to be one of missions. Because I, some people came in, try to argue and fight. And when I put on my, I'm a mediator as well. And when I came in, I'm like, hey, I see we have a disagreement. Let's get down to where we're at. 
And when some other people came in and tried to instigate, throw gasoline on the fire, I'm like, hey, hey, hey we're making progress here. This mm-hmm. blue Oh, are you a therapist or something? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, not a therapist. Well, you know, I got my degree. Oh, I got my degree in psychology. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is this coming play? Um, but you know, if you come, it's hard. The fight you got to fight love. Yeah, you got to fight hate. You got to fight hate with love. You can't fight hate with hate. You got to fight light against darkness. You know, it's as simple as that. You know, so um, that, and I know it come off cheesy, like I can, uh, but I always say with everything culture, we always try to make progress so we can love and understand and grow. But I still reserve the right to whoop your ass <laughs> because um. These hands is a language as well, okay? You know, it's, you know that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a way we have to communicate. I would hate that we have to go here, but I'm all for peace if possible, you know? But I that that's something some people don't understand every way. Oh, yeah. We talk about that. Right here on Boondocks, one thing I love, you know, I think about Stink Miner and all that, man. It's like, ooh, it's because it's, it's, it's all the things they sell off the Boondocks I love. And I love the points because it touches on so much because they're true, they're accurate. It's like you don't want to admit to some stuff, but it is. You can yeah, say it's a it stereotype. doesn't make it pretty. But yeah, and it's like, but that's I, like so many ex- exact experience watching this and having family members. I ain't trying to. I'm gonna let y'all lead it, but man, I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh well, yeah, I'm. Uh, well, other than, um, is there any news, Lindsay? Anything happening that you wanted to talk about before we dug- dig into this? No, not at all. Cool. Um, we can talk about the, uh, that thing later. Sure. All right. So (laughs) this episode, so this episode starts with, uh, Huey basically talking about what happened after Hurricane Katrina, um, in the ninth ward in Louisiana, in uh, New Orleans, where, uh, the levees broke and essentially killed whoever had not gotten out. And, um, devastated the entire area and essentially leveled it. Um, And so it's, it's hard to watch. Like I didn't personally go through Katrina, but I have family who was down there still at the time. Um, There's less of them now in the area than there used to be. So um, that was kind of like when I watched this episode, I was like, Oh, okay. I remember that time. (laughs) So, um, so then granddad is, uh, serving food, lots of what, lobster and shellfish and mussels and, <laughs> and the phone rings and he says, it's Jericho Freeman and granddad. It's like, oh yeah, that's the part of the family from Louisiana. And, and they got caught in Katrina and, and I wish that there was something I could do as the phone rings and rings and rings. Um, and he just absolutely does not answer the phone and then the doorbell rings and it's Jericho and his family. Um, <laughs> this, the next part before, before I talk about the next scene of actually like talking to the family, I feel like at the time or shortly after the time, what happens in this episode was what basically the news was showing us all the time. These people have nowhere to go and you know, they, they, are depending on the kindness of strangers. And I just, again, with that, you know, the realness that does not, you don't want it to be like, that was, that's exactly, you know, I remember my dad not taking phone calls 
and mm. I mean, he didn't, he hardly ever answered the phone anyway. We, we had an answering machine for like, mm, take it like back. five years before, before anyone else in the neighborhood did. <laughs> like he was, he was a master at not answering the phone. And now here I am never answering my phone. <laughs> um, so Jericho lays the whole story on Robert. Um, and, you know, Robert just tries to brush it away. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's real tragedy. And that's too bad. Um, that's crazy. That's, yeah. Oh, that, oh ooh, ooh. I, I love Granddad. Woo. Woo. Well, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> you catching up? No. Yep. <laughs> and then hit him with my diabetes sacked in it. Ah, fine. Granddad just gives in because he's just he knows that he has no way of turning them away at this point. Um, and then I don't know how many people ended up coming in, like nine, ten, something like that. I would say between eight and ten. Ooh. Eight and ten, yeah. I, I did not actually pay attention enough to count, I'll be honest. Um, so they move in. They just basically act like it's their own house. Uh, kids constantly jumping on the furniture. Mm. Um, the, the little Wayne guy. <laughs> That's all I can think of when it's this little Wayne when I see this. Was that little Wayne I, though? Was, it was, yeah. Okay, yeah, perfect. I didn't actually Wayne. know that. that sound just like, it sounds just like him. I'm like, that sounds like him. <laughs> and, and such a perfect little asshole. I, I love that you're showing me that. I don't have my glasses on right now. It's too hot for them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have, you have to do this without the fan on? So, We've got oh. the small fan on, but the rest of the room is just the. Um. Yeah, so he's he's looking at all the things and and uh, basically talking about how you know if he was another another kind of person, ooh, he would he would uh, steal all that stuff and they would never even know. Uh, <laughs> Riley wants to keep an eye on him. Um, takes his concern to Granddad. Granddad is so like Granddad is he he doesn't want them to be there but he also feels bad for them he still has that empathy part that's tugging at him and Huey is you know his normal self and you know talking about how Riley is kind of an asshole and you know these mm. people have nothing well they can go and and what do you say go live on the street <laughs> like go live somewhere else is basically what Riley says he does not care where that is he just wants it somewhere else um, Granted says they're going to stay for now uh, then the news shows up because Jericho called them. Um, and basically they have this whole new story about how Robert is going to take in the Katrinian refugees. Uh, Granddad gets so upset because he knows that that, that other people are going to show up now. Um, and that's exactly what happens next. And Robert just is so angry. One of my favorite things out of that scene, though, is when they when they ask when the news lady asks him, um, what do you expect to get out of this? And he's like, not a goddamn thing. Because <laughs> he knows he ain't going to get shit. And this is just, it's all going to somehow blow up in his face. He just, he knows it. Um, so Riley and Huey are left to clean up and cook for Jericho's family. Um they like to complain about the things they have and what they don't have. Y'all might as well stop making that Kool-Aid right now because I don't even drink great. 
only drink cherry and strawberry. When y'all going to the store, too, because I'm going to eat that shit y'all got up in here. Y'all ain't got no butter beans, no scramps, no hog moss. Y'all ain't got shit. <laughs> I, I love that because I, I have to be honest, I had no idea what any of that was. Um, <laughs> really? Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised here. Northern, my my Louisiana yeah. family, again, I haven't been around them in 30 years. <laughs> I understand. Hey, once again, different culture. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I picked, the, I, well, I chose this quote. It reminded me so much of like, because, well, one, our home was this home that Robert is, um, resenting being like any any issue in our family you always kind of moved in with my mom because she owned a duplex so like lots of, it was always family in family out uh, problems here you move in with aunt mary problems out you know whatever um so we were used to it and <laughs> my mom always had this saying she would say about people who would complain about anything going on in our home which was XX doesn't have a pot to piss in or a window mm-hmm. to throw it out of, but they want to tell me about my hog mogs. Like, so I was just like, yo, holy flashbacks, Batman, like this shit. Like, yeah, I, I know this all too well. Like, y'all, it's all about being gracious and just accepting the quote unquote charity mm-hmm. that is extended to you. Lord, child. My, my thing is, I've been on both sides. Mm-hmm. I've been that family mm-hmm. that came in and needed the help and needed the assistance. And whew, I, I was, man, it's cra- the little girl. I was like the little girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I was uh, um, trying to be sweet. I will ask for the stuff that's delicious and the good stuff, and I will be. Well, I understand if you don't want to give it to me. <laughs> Thank you. I, that, that was, but I was genuinely feel that way. But I also had a brother that was like, "Oh, he's gonna tear your stuff completely up." <laughs> like, it, and I and I was a fat kid, so I'm, I'm also gonna eat everything you got as well. So, I was too. Yep. <laughs> My thing was always that. I mean, no matter where I went, I was always the picky eater. <laughs> Flash forward a few decades, and you find out, hey, you're autistic, and that makes total sense. But when you're young, mm-hmm. and you just know that you don't like that because it doesn't feel good in your mouth you become the problem child of the family. So I would be like that, but not in an ungrateful way, just more of a, I can't eat any of the stuff you have here. Can I like make my own food? (laughs) For my family, it was more like my mom, Mike, she was into baking. So she might make a chocolate cake and then aunt, whoever would show up and be like, oh, Mary, why didn't you make a carrot cake? Carrot cakes are so much more moist. And And she would just be there like, Yo, really? <laughs> and then she would just kind of talk shit to us in the afterward. But it reminds me of, I'm being corny, y'all. If you've ever seen Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. there's a quote in that movie where they say, when all you've got is nothing, there's a lot to go around. That was my family. We ain't have shit. Mm-hmm. So come over and have, don't have shit with us. Like we work it out. We make it happen. My family usually pushed that, that I was the, the kid that made it. They saw mm-hmm. that what I went through in life, man, I very poor mother, a few substances, had was on lupus, had lupus, mental illness, the whole nine. I had I have a story. Go listen to Mr. Mm-hmm. D. The, the makers of Mr. D713 if you like, you want to hear all that. But so now I'm to the point that got home, have a quite a bit of stability, you know, we, you know, doing well for ourselves, you know, where we can, you know, help out where in the family where we can. And man, I usually compare it to soul food. How I don't know if you've seen the film Soul Food. 
how it's an Aunt Terry that every, I used to hate Aunt Terry when I was a kid because she was the bougie aunt. She didn't want to give everybody money when they needed. She was rich. She might as well. And now I understand where Aunt Terry <laughs> coming from. When, now my family, yeah, this is how y'all treat me. That's what you know, I'm like, I'll do it. And the part where I see, man, the first rate with my thing, people take your kindness for weakness one. They manipulate you. Mm-hmm. And then they're ungrateful. The cable. Cable television. Uh, we, we haven't had cable in some time because I was like, why do we need cable? We were in school at the time. I think we were just graduating. We're too busy to watch all these channels. So we was like early on Netflix and Hulu, okay? Mm-hmm. And we have a four-bedroom house, big backyard, front yard, wood, like very nice house. This is in Texas, not in Seattle. Anything you name, we got almost, but we just don't watch cable. I have a family member that don't have a pot to piss in and a when to throw it out of. We, we use that term. Why y'all don't have cable? Ugh. Mm-hmm. Y'all have this. Not that. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, are you serious? Uh, we left off where Jericho and Robert are walking around and Jericho is telling his story about how he lost all the money in the flood and that the insurance company would only pay for uh, or wouldn't pay for wind insurance. And uh, even though he had flood insurance and like just basically, you know, the insurance company was fucking him. Like we all know that they were doing. Uh, he tried to get a job, but because for some reason he thought he had to act like he was a Mexican day laborer. He, he, didn't like if he had just gone up and said his name i'm pretty sure he probably would have got a job but by no, pretending no, no, to not speak no. english <laughs> no no like the no, white guy was, was like mm. have you been t- <laughs> no <laughs> let me tell you something <laughs> no that was accurate yeah like, okay he, jericho was doing what he knew he had to do oh right. uh, i'm just saying it, it now maybe not in texas <laughs> not until I came here to Seattle, I saw white people doing construction like you see on television. Okay. Uh, in Texas, you do you see a, a it's a di- different labor force in Texas. Like, if you- uh, see, I grew up with with labor ready being not far from where I live, and so you would see lines of people just looking for work for day laboring work, and it was all races. Like, you go to Home Depot and you see a certain uh, you know community ho- looking for population. work. And you go to workforce or work, what was it called? Labor ready. And, uh, but you see every, every type represented there. And that's more what I was used to seeing. So. It's a conversation about that. Um, that day labor is, it's like a coalition almost. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, it's just random people. They, some people got to know you to even come around them. You know, you got to be vouched for sometime. I need to bring somebody on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's a good time. Uh, so you were saying earlier about, um, about people getting the check and then disappearing. And I feel Mm. like this is where Robert starts to suspect that that's what's going to happen. Uh, because Jericho's talk about once that FEMA check arrives, he's going to do all these things for him. Um, and then, oh, and then the insurance conversation comes in. My bad. What happened to your insurance? Oh, I had insurance. I had rain insurance, had flood insurance, but the damn insurance company said I didn't have no wind insurance. So I couldn't get no money. Can you believe that? Wind insurance? Ain't that the biggest ripoff you ever heard? So I, I said to the guy, what kind of shit is this? He's a... Hey, now, dog ass. I heard that 
have us a Katrinians in town. So I brought out my old violin that only plays sad songs. Boo, ho, ho, nigga. It ain't the white man's fault, you dumb niggas. Don't know that there's wind in a hurricane. Who is this? Long story. But Mr. Charlie stayed one step ahead, don't he? I can see him now. Guess what? I just saved a bunch of money on my insurance. Because these dumb niggas didn't know there was wind in a hurricane. Oh, what? What, you got some more sad songs, huh? That what you got for me? Oh, you mad because your Katrina welfare check ain't showed up yet? Hell, y'all niggas wasn't making but $3 an hour before Katrina. Now each of y'all want 300000 Huh? Ain't that some bullshit. Yeah, come here. Somebody call the police. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That scene so much. <laughs> Somebody finally put hands on Oh, right? Right? <laughs> Now, I, I have to admit, I can't remember exactly why I wanted to pull that clip in the first place. But every time I think about it, something new pops out for me. Like the fact that Ruckus walks up and is like, hey, darkies. And he's darker than both of them. Like that just right off the bat. You're just like, dude, what? <laughs> it, uh, but Uncle Ruckus's have been on the rampage his past <sighs> with four or five years. Mm-hmm. And... They ain't, they're not going anywhere soon. Uncle Ruckus always been a real person. Right. Right. That's, and so my, no. like when this show came out originally, all I could see was a caricature. But the last few years of, you know, Trump and black Trump supporters and black, you know, face of Republican Party and all of that bullshit, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> that's, I'm like, oh, 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 okay. I bet you in private, that's exactly what you are saying. Oh, and that's what you are saying. That's for sure. Oh, Candace Owens. Oh, hell yeah. You are saying that. <laughs> you oh, guys guaranteed. watch TikTok content. Yo, that's your next big TikTok video. Take clips of Candace Owens and just put Uncle Ruckus tracks <laughs> over talking. Wow. Hey, that is genius. Holy All shit. All right. Doing it. Dean, Dean's gonna do it. Yeah. Cut it out. Yeah, yeah, I, I already had a plan to do that with Tim Scott. Yes, <laughs> all of them. Oh my Jesus Christ! That is. Uh. That's, uh, hey, she didn't get paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> that was yes, yes. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that just cracks me up so much that. He's so ingrained this idea of whiteness being this great thing that and he hates himself so much that he does not see that he is actually, you know, with his reverse vitiligo, uh, that he's actually, you know, much darker. And how much of this, like, you know, oh, poor boohoo you is ha ha ha. Somebody is worse off than me right now. You know, like that was kind of where I was seeing that, like. We know Ruckus works like five million jobs. Like he, he's got to be, mm-hmm. you got to be, you know, hurting for money somewhere. Yeah, I, I had an episode about that. He, he, he. <laughs> but that, but that is the core. That's a part of Uncle Ruckus. It, yeah, definitely. that was making. Oh my! Goodness. <laughs> hey, I have. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was. I'm. I'm telling you. One of my. I'm glad because I've always said somebody is kicking. I would. Put some hands on, and having somebody from the south mm-hmm. to do it, it felt good. That, that, that you knew, like right. somehow, Granddad yeah. was never going to actually do it. Like he's he keeps giving this man chances, and like is actually genuinely trying to be his friend when he is just a terrible person. Right, and, <laughs> and, but all was like, um, who who else? Because that was played by um, Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Correct? 
Yeah. But who who this cat right who here? Did? Oh no, nah, oh no, nah. we're gonna have to handle that. that, that <laughs> we kind of come from a more of a once again, he has to speak to him in a different type of language. Yes. That's what had to happen. <laughs> absolutely absolutely the only way ruck is gonna understand is through those hands we talked about it on the original preview and on podscure i think too <laughs> um all i do these days in the pandemic is like i work and i watch youtube like i've kind of exhausted tv i haven't looked into this but i've been meaning to and i don't know if you guys have heard this but apparently right now there is a thing in the south of insurance companies stealing old black people's homes like, they'll accuse you of insurance fraud. Like, oh, like, you filed this claim, da 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 And it's kind of like an ancient case. And then they, like, kind of charge you. Like, I saw it on some story with a 95-year-old grandma in Florida oh. who was charged with insurance fraud. And they basically cost so much red tape that you fall behind on your wind insurance payment. And then the insurance company moves in and takes these homes that were once bought at a cheaper price and are now worth, and they snatch it. I haven't looked into it. I've been meaning to, but I just saw that the other day and was like, what the fuck? For real? That's something something to look into. I've never heard of it. Not Mm -hmm. from the insurance company. But even when they talk about the whole wind insurance, people actually, that is a real thing right there, people experiencing. But I've heard about people doing that with back taxes, though. That mm. you don't know if you owe taxes on your house or not, mm. and they will legit go and pay the taxes off. The taxes would try to they will try to put it like they're the owner of the house now, and if you could pay, and why people still living in it, just not being aware. So, uh, but mm. I would unfortunately wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, we got to look into it. I don't, I really don't know. I can't say that's true, but I yeah. definitely saw a video on it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, but. They're absolutely. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> there absolutely sounds like it's it's collusion all across the board. You know. Oh yeah, it's it's not, it's, it's not conspiracy when it's happening right, right in front of you. Okay? Exactly. No. That's what I say all the time. It's a conspiracy until someone until the truth fucking comes out, and then people want to pretend. Mm. Oh, you weren't so crazy. Or the other way around, actually, the one news thing that I did pay attention to this week because so many people on Twitter were talking about it because they can't read fucking emails and understand context. But like with the Fauci emails getting all released and people are like, oh, Anthony Fauci said this back in March of 2020. It was a conspiracy. No, he didn't fucking know. Just like nobody fucking. (laughs) It's like if you actually read them in context. You can see that it's emails back and forth with what they think is happening and sharing information across the world. This is a good thing, people. But anyway. Don't don't stress yourself out. <laughs> I had my rant on Snapchat earlier. Oh, jeez. So. Mm. I have so many rants that I just do in my head and then never actually like see the light of day. Mm, you gotta let it out. Do not keep that stuff in your head. Mm. The next scene is the the police have been called and the news is there because there was violence and you know Ruckus is trying to get uh, Jericho arrested for for beating him up. Um, and then Tom, of course, being Tom, steps in to mediate the situation that he thinks is happening. Uh, and you know Tom is really good at at, at at trying to to um calm tensions. He 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 likes to be the one that that kind of steps in to calm things down. Be a mediator. Yeah. Shout out to Tom sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Uh so oh later, uh the next scene, they uh 
we see Jericho on the phone with FEMA saying that they've been approved and that they should get it in three months, which, of course, makes Granddad Riley and Huey completely fed up. And Robert decides he's got to make them want to move out because, you know, telling them to move out would be mean, but making them not want to be there is their decision. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, hey, what, what happened? Oh. Robert, what's wrong something with wrong with the cable. Well, if we all going to have to be here for the next three months, we're going to have to make some cutbacks. Oh, this nigga trip. Well, if it's too much to handle, you can always leave. Oh, not a what? Lord is going to provide. We's knife war Negroes, survivors, huh? <laughs> we used to going without. Mm-hmm. Oops, there go the lights. What? And so the gauntlet was thrown in the battle of the selfish versus the lazy. They pay the light bill. He also turns off the AC and the water, uh, <laughs> which, of course, causes all of this uproar in the family. And, and they take off trying to just, you know, to give it time. They'll, they'll move out on their own. So we're going to leave. And then when they're on their way back, they find out that Jericho was stealing water and electricity from the house across the street, causing Tom to take up a collection in the neighborhood to get all of the services turned back on. Tom being the nice guy trying to help again. Uh, so then the next thing that Robert comes up with as a way to get them to leave is to pretend that there's a hurricane coming and tell them that the rain is coming and they run out and just, and tries to, uh, he tries, he gets Jericho and his family to climb up on the roof, but they create a hole in the attic in order to do it as an, you know, an emergency get out of the house kind of thing. So then the next thing is granddad talking to Whitney, the, the little cute little girl with the orange juice. Um, asking why they're staying there and why they just won't leave. And he finds out that Whitney thinks that they're really rich, that like everybody in the family thinks they're really, really rich. Um, So Robert lets them know he's on a fixed income and says, you know, Jericho and his son are going to need to get a full-time job if they're going to be staying there. Uh, Which, of course, you know, anonymously, the news finds out about and shows up and asking why, you know, Robert is trying to kick out these refugees. Um, Robert is pissed, of course, and Jericho says, but it wasn't him. Um, but Robert was done. Phone was turned off. Jericho freaks out because he needs that phone for FEMA. Uh, they end up fighting, and then he actually does kick them out of the house. Delivery shows up right as he's kicking them out. Jericho opens the envelope and reads that he hasn't filled out the proper forms for his FEMA check. Huey suggests that they go back to New Orleans and fight for their home. Jericho's son asks him about it and basically like, why are we going to leave here? And what? And, but Jericho's like, because we actually got a $200,000 check and we can go. So they do. And that's basically the end of the story. The end of the episode today, which... If there was a part two, like we said, you know, as soon as that money is out, they're either back or they're looking for another family member. So I'm going to let y'all take this one before I jump in. <laughs> I mean, well, no, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, it's just as Huey said, it's uh, the episode as these episodes often do are exasperating the differences between the lazy and the selfish. Mm. Like we do all have these family members. We do all know these people. And again, if you are kind of a giving and empathic person, the minute you learn to set boundaries, everyone writes you out as the <laughs> fucking villain. Mm-hmm. You are the devil because 
you were once a person, a source of everything that they needed. They could get from you, play on your soft heart, play on your values, uh, you know, kind of read you and make you feel like shit for not giving. And the minute you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not, I'm not putting myself out for you. Mm-mm, canceled. Mm-hmm. You, you are it. You are the talk of the town. Like, that's why I said, like, listen, y'all, shit, I don't, like, I'm trying to not get into any family shit on my end. My family does not appreciate the way I speak to my, I am very honest about my life experiences as well. And growing up poor and having a dad who I love to pieces, but my dad spent the majority of my life as a crackhead. I am not, I am not apologizing for my dad's choices anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the shit that happened. It went down. It is what it is. My family feels a way about it. Okay, feel a way about it. I'm going to tell my truth. All right. So, and you kind of got to get in that mode of like, yo, I'm in my power. You, you be who you want to be. I'll be selfish. You be lazy, (laughs) you know, whatever. And live your best life. Yeah. That's where I am on it. I need to talk to me more. She's been through some shit. She's been through it. You know, and what you're saying is frustrating. Exactly. Because it seems like, once again, it, my family, like the elders of my family, the young, my little cousins and stuff like that, that like in their 20s, they you know, they call me, you know, uncle. Mm-hmm. And one of them call me uncle. I'm like, you know, I'm just two years old. <laughs> but that's how we, that's like a line of respect we have. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just in the community. And it's, once again, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Not at all. Okay. And experience that many people saying or Layla saying it's like I that's what I had, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when my elders see, oh, they don't give any excuses to the young, to everyone else. Like if you can go through the brain and go through, and you make it where you're at, and be as kind and respectful and things, and not have you you can do it. Okay, mm-hmm. they don't want to hear it. So now when I invite them over for like events, holidays, especially in Houston. I used to bring all my little cousins down, like my nephews for spring break. Used to have like four to five kids, like, and everything paid for. I take care of everything, you know. And, but, you know, I, I used to have them, I bring them to work with me. Like you, you mentioned earlier, don't think this money just comes from nowhere. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how it works. I'm going to show you my diplomas. Because that's what helped me out, you know. I had an aunt. I know who gets you showed me a, a shoebox with full of papers in them. And I'm like, what's this? She's like, oh, baby, let me come show you. Let me, let me, because she was the wealthy one, full backyard, you know, mm-hmm. in Fort Worth, living in Stevens Hill. Um, what, what's the area? Not Stevens Hill. Oh my gosh. Near ODY. That's the school zone. But either way, <laughs> um, uh, I, uh, like Dean's trying <laughs> to remember. I, as you said. <laughs> I, so, I, I just know it's off I 20. Is that all my family live off I 20? Every but, um, Texas listener is nodding. They <laughs> <laughs> know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, she showed me that she box shoebox full of papers and those are CDs. And mm-hmm. she explained to me what CDs were. You know, I'm like, so you put money in, she said, you do this at a young age. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. That was like my first um, point of investing, okay, in life. Nobody else taught me that. Not even in school. I don't expect it, but I was taught that. And if you hear what Jericho even said, how many money, he, where did he keep his money? In the bed, right? In the mattress? In the mattress. Mattress. Mm-hmm. I have family members that, he, that that's true. That's real. Mm-hmm. That, that is not, that is a real thing because black people, especially in the South, in this reason, they don't trust banks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
when we're going into these conversations about wealth and things and I have to show family like, hey, it takes work to get here. It's frustrating where that mind at the end with Jericho get the money. Like I said, you can go I'm gonna take off. I knew that was gonna happen. I didn't even finish the full episode, I knew that was gonna mm-hmm. happen. Because Dave Chappelle said, and I love Dave Chappelle. He's one of the background what he's one of Joe Coy, Dave Chappelle, Larry King, um, uh, what's my guy from Hot Ones? Um, dang, I can't think of his name right now. Um, are some of the motivators behind everything culture. Because Dave Chappelle even said it when you talk about when he got mad at his father, he's like, I'm tired of being poor. And his dad said, you're not poor, you're broke. Mm. Poor is a mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the work that I've done, I, I, once again, I said I work for CPS. I uh, work in Family Law Center. I also worked for a pawn shop and I worked for um, Renner Center. And, you know, some like, this is when I was in college and in high school. Mm-hmm. And, man, it, he was not lying. These systems are put in place to keep people poor. And mm-hmm. when they become part of the culture, that mindset is, yeah, that's why when I said he got that money, he's going to ball out at Renaissance. I meant that yep. because I've seen people come in and it's not, not, if you use it for the same thing with welfare or anything, if you use it for the right reason, use it. Use that you tool. Renaissance, even to thank y'all for the six months I worked there, one of my favorite jobs, you know. But man, when I tell you it is a Rip off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's legit. You're paying three hundred percent. Period. If you make it over that, if you make it over that, just look. I'm telling. I'm not. Just, if you pay five hundred dollars for a PlayStation Five, once you finish all them payments, you pay fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Seriously, yep. like I believe it. Worked at a pawn shop. Um, this is like in two thousand five, two thousand six. Okay, Cash America Pawn. All right. It used to be the best pawn shop you can go to. If you're trying to buy something, pawn shops are cool. Mm-hmm. Don't pawn though. Okay. So, um, my aunt was, once again, nice town. You know, very racist town in Tyler, Texas. We stayed in the north side of Tyler, black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We had a community. That's what I support. We had a black community that really supported one another. Okay. You learned we uplifted one another. It wasn't bringing each other down. And I take pride in it. And that's probably one of the reasons why I am the way I am now. But working at the pawn shop, you see a diverse group of everybody, okay? Now, you, being this is my hometown, I knew many of the people that may come in, you know? One of my aunt's friends used to come in, okay? And didn't know it too, too well, but I knew it because my aunt used to throw parties, spades, games, and mm-hmm. all that, you know, kicking in cocktails, you name it. I used to be the little bartender and all that. So this is me at the age of 18, 19. And 18, I was 18. And I, she, she used to come in every week. I remember one week she came in, she was in tears. She's pawned her mother's, she's been pawning her mother's ring. Her mother was like, I would say bedroom, elderly woman, okay? And she had all these gold rings, she can pawn them. And the way pawn shops make their money is by paying on the pawn, okay? Mm-hmm. Is if you pawn a $1,000 with jewelry, um, you can't pay that $1,000 within the next two weeks or whatever. You have to pay like another 20 50, whatever dollars to keep that stuff in pawn so mm-hmm. it won't go on the floor to be sold. Okay. A little lesson for everybody right here. <laughs> so I see her struggling. Not only that, I see her paying on her pawns, paying this amount, just like begging. It's hard to, It's hard for me to see anyone, but it's hard to especially see a black woman beg. Okay. And when I see the tears, oh, my big heart just, I'm tearing up thinking about it. Okay. So I'm like, okay. But I also see her coming in and putting stuff on layaway too. All right. 
So I'm like, hmm, okay, but you know what? I'm I'm helping next time. She's like, mm. I'm be a good guy. Okay. Okay, mm. Tom. So <laughs> you, you, you done those outfield? That's like, hey, okay, okay. So she comes in next Friday because she's coming every Friday. I tell my sister to come in. I've been waiting. I tell my coworker, hey, I handle this right here. You go handle the bikes or something in the back. Clean up that lawnmower. I don't know. Whatever. So I'm helping out. Like, hey, I got to help do your favor. So I'm going to extend your pond for this amount. So you don't have to pay that amount so you can get one of your rings and come back in. I got you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to keep it. So you just, it makes sense, right? Totally. The hookup. We in positions of power. We, we help each other out. This woman cursed me the fuck out. I'm talking about made a scene. I'm talking about everybody in this small group. Everybody's turning around, stopping what they're doing. I'm calling me, don't count my money. I'm telling the little boy this and this. I'm a grown woman. And I'm just like, just taking it. Because I'm, I'm like shocked that I'm legit helping you. Mm-hmm. I'm basically putting you on a path of better well-being and you are dragging me. Like you, you to the position you're trying to get me fired. My supervisor comes out, and I'm like, oh shit! I never been in trouble at work or at school like this. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm making okay money here. I'm like, okay. He she, he helped out, put on the same thing. I got you. That little and th- we friends. You know my people. What are we doing? So my supervisor comes in the back, um, Drake, and, <laughs> and, and like, and he white guy, um. Main name was Dave at the time. Cool dude. Big heavyset guy. He like, hey, he's good little slash look. You a real good person, man. You mm-hmm. have a really big heart. I like that about you. Fuck them though. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have to understand the way the world is made. People don't know what to do with their money. They're wasteful. I'm telling you, I'm learning this at 18. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was still fighting. He said, they're going to waste their money somewhere. Might as well waste it with me. Let me take. And that's was legit what he was like. And I'm like, with her, yeah, but no. Worked at Renaissance. I saw the same thing at Renaissance. People come in, direct, you try to, I try to help one out. Didn't want to hear it. I always say when people hit the age of 23, sometimes that's why I stop trying to tell them stuff. You're too old to learn something now. You like you, you can come to me, but I'm not gonna chase you down any longer. That's yeah, okay. that's one of the reasons. No, I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> and that last part that you just said, like, that's why I've decided to move from teaching into therapy, because that's like teaching. I'm required to put thoughts into these children's minds that I don't necessarily always agree with or like how mm-hmm. I'm teaching them. Whereas the part that I always loved and really felt like I was actually doing making a difference and doing a good job was the trauma uh, work that I would do with them. And intervention when they were having a traumatic moment of some kind and just like that that social emotional learning is what we call it in the school district like that for me that and the mental health for these kids who have you know aces adverse childhood experiences like that's where I want to focus everything that that I am putting into the world you know I've spent the last few years and actually um, I had a, a teacher mentor years ago who told me that uh, she hoped that I could be one of those teachers that was there forever. But she she had a feeling that I would end up having an ulcer for every lost child. <laughs> it's very true. Like, I don't have ulcers, but I, 
I did not do well in in the last, you know, in in the pandemic mentally because of how much I put into what I was doing and how little I was actually able to get coming back in. Nothing was filling my bucket and I was filling everybody else's. Your, your emotional bank account. Yes. And I feel emotionally broke. Yes. I'm telling you, and same thing when I used to, when I was heavy in the work, I didn't understand it when I was a very young age, 23, 24, I used to come home to my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now. And I used to like, don't talk to me for like two hours. I used to have the 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 amount of decompressing I had mm-hmm. to do, the amount of not only getting cursed out by parents, yelled at by supervisors, kids just you see them struggle. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard, and it's the um, secondary post traumatic stress. So a lot of people know that's a real thing. Yeah, because just because you're not experiencing it and you have that you have you being such an empath or empathetic individual. Man, you take that on hard, mm-hmm. hard, yep. and it's a real thing. I'm out here fighting these fucking corporate yep. battles for y'all, yeah. and, and, and I, I'm a tough that's bitch. That's all needed. That's <laughs> all needed. Mm-hmm. It's all needed. But when I tell you, it's because I was telling my mentee, he's 23, just learning. He's in college, same year. He's dragging his feet. He's dropping a lot of classes. Mm. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like. And he's like, I don't see the point of doing this. this. And I'm like, you don't see the point. I'm like, I said, I remember when you were 17, you were saying, well, could he get free tuition for the rest of his life since he aged? He came out of foster care. He mm. get free tuition forever. All right. Just need to keep above 2.0. He, he can become a doctor for free, technically, you know. But he's dragging his feet. And I'm kind of one. I said, I'm lucky I'm not there. Okay. So, and I was like, I remember when you were 17, 18, when you were talking about you wanted to become a case worker you want to help kids like I helped you. We were saying no, but I know we see it in you. Mm. What happened to that spirit? I said, at the age of 23 is when I became your caseworker when you were 11 years old. So, and I was saying not to put too much pressure on you, but I think pressure, but um, either pressure make diamonds or it bust pipes, one of the two. I said, so what if this little kid that's experienced the same thing you experienced out here, missing out because you want to play NBA 2K all day and, you know, and Push, you know, think you got to think bigger. And so, what you're saying, that stress that you have, yeah, mm-hmm. and what you're going through, because you're making changes. When you make changes, it's not you. Yeah, because you're not just affecting you; you're affecting me. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the changes have been a long time coming, and I'm I'm really really happy that uh, we are where we are. Um, it's when you were talking about your friend earlier. I I just wanted to say like. In terms of growth, like I absolutely believe that people can grow because I met mm-hmm. this one who was very much not the political leftist that you hear or see on TikTok and Twitter now. Um, I absolutely radicalized him and I'm fucking proud of that because <laughs> I created an ally that I needed because physically mm-hmm. I cannot you know, do a lot of the things that I want to do. And this is he has become somebody who I absolutely 100% trust to, to have my back in no matter what. And, and that's beautiful. right. Well, to be able to say that about anyone at all yeah. is great. But as a black person to be able to say that about a white person, I feel like that's oh. really important too, because like my, my, nobody that I know, I don't know very many black people, but nobody that I know has somebody like that. And that's what I can tell you. It feels good. What you just said right then, that's a whole other conversation. Cause all this past year, I, 
lost some trust in some friends. Mm-hmm. And I've grown, not only grown, and I've seen what they're there because my previous roommate, he's been a, been an ally, big, and he's an attorney, and he comes to me anything, something crazy with the podcast. Anytime I'm when I try to do the little raffle, he like, be careful with that. <laughs> Make sure to put this in your writing. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, you got it. Cool. And support. Um, it's it's very important. That's why I say when you have people that, and we would say white people, white men especially. I think some of the worst uh, moments of Dean's last few years are when he really started to understand some of the things that I've been talking about. Um, especially since like, especially in the last year since George Floyd, it's been, we just mm-hmm. had the one year anniversary of, of that murder. And like in the <sighs> last year, we have had more conversations about race and race topics in general and not just on this podcast, but you yeah, know, all of that came out of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 I learned more about, um, race. Um, oh my gosh. Racial, what is it? Race, I can't even think of it right now. It's battle fatigue. It's basically um, just because you're black, you need therapy. Don't mm. get me wrong. Here on everything culture, we support therapy, Jesus, and counseling. If you are but lucky I mean, enough to hunt, find I'm a black hunt. therapist, I've been looking for one. Mm, I found one too. and it's kept me alive for the last year. Absolutely. I, but we support therapy, Jesus, and edibles. That's what we support <laughs> here in so we're we're advocates for Dig those things, and but you pick whatever fits fits your. Uh, <laughs> well, therapy and but, weed are definitely on my list. <laughs> but it's racial battle fatigue. That's what yes. racial battle fatigue, and it's real because you, you're gaslit. The microaggressions. The the I never forget my previous organization in Houston, child advocates, and you know they know who they are. When I was stressed, I was so upset at when because. George Floyd is not the first black person to kill. Right. We had Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bland, that happened. And she did not hang herself. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Okay? And I had to come back to work the next day and act like everything's okay. Everything's mm. fine. And, and nobody acknowledges it. Nobody says anything. Me and all my black coworkers, we're in, I'm like the leader. I was a DEI expert just in my office. HR doesn't say nothing. But let something in the point, another tragedy happened in France. We got to change our profile pictures. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about it. We have to spend. And unfortunately, it kind of builds that. Y'all watch Lovecraft Country, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I use this all the time. When D, after Emmett Till died, which, were her, which was her best friend, mm-hmm. spoilers, um, <laughs> she was upset. She was upset at everything. She was throwing rocks at even other black girls. That's that anger. Why are you at that? So when. It was another, it was that show and another cartoon. It was another show I watched recently that was really good that speaks about speaks upon it. That when you think some people, and I'm saying some white people at times, when you when you see us angry and upset and hurt and you act like you don't feel it, it makes you make us feel like you don't have emotions or feelings. But when we see you actually cry or be hurt about some people you don't know, it shows us that you do mm-hmm. have. But you don't mm. give a damn about us. That's yep. what it feels like. And yeah. that's you what were, I've had you were talking about the the Notre Dame, right? When Notre Dame caught on fire, is that the France no. thing that you were? Was it? No, it was a train. It was a oh, train. Tra- a train. Oh, okay, because oh, I remember the Notre bombing. Dame thing at the exact same time that like shit was. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a tra- I think it was a train bomb. I want to say that was France. I mean, oh, okay. like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but 
he once again hard like I empathize with that already. But do you understand what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like y'all didn't say shit. I'm like, what? And Why is it the like, only I'm causes too- you care about are white causes? And that's what it is. Yeah. Like, man, and I'm like, and we were in the majority of children we work with are black children. Mm-hmm. I have Percentage. a bunch of shit to say about all of this. I'm going to try and run through it <laughs> as fast as possible because I know I'll we got to move on. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're perfect. But I want to say first to start there, I don't want to hear it. I, I do not want to hear or see why a lot of people don't react or don't say anything is because of people like me. Because the minute you do, I'm over here side-eyeing the fuck out of you. I've talked about on this podcast, Trash Talking Podcast, a lot of the bullshit I went through in my last job. All I do is come into this place, work hard, make you a lot of money. You're treating me like shit, trying to call me a prostitute, spreading all kinds of really weird, fucked up shit about me. When I'm coming in here to work for you and now you want to get up on this microphone when George Floyd died and give a speech about how black lives matter. What about my black life that has been pleading with you for fair treatment for the past year and you had no shit to say about it? Don't sit here and lecture me about a black life, how a black life matters because I saw how you treated my black life. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't even try it because I will fucking pop off on your ass. Do not come at me with that shit. You want to play? play. You want to post your LinkedIn? Post your LinkedIn. You want to pretend it didn't happen? Pretend it didn't happen. But don't you dare fucking say a fucking word to me, you fake motherfucker. I see you. And I will tell anyone who asked me about you exactly who you are. That's one. The second thing, though, guys, this is kind of going to go back. And I'm going to try and tie this all together (laughs) is about people like so when we're talking about like uh, Drake's old co-host who like tries to crack jokes about everything and like, you know, tried to like say Kaepernick needs to get over it. And the lady at the pawn shop, like these people, this is the classic thing I always say on this podcast. I don't think these people are as dumb as they act. I think they honestly do get it. Um, growing up in hood culture as well, growing up dirt poor and just being in this lifestyle, I was lucky that I had a mom in a strange way who grew up even more poor than I could imagine and taught me like not to flex. Like that's a big thing we kind of have to address when having this conversation. Like flex culture is bullshit. Um, when you kind of learn like, yo, people are going to judge you either way. I don't need to have the best, the latest, the grandest and stop seeking external validation. Um, you will do a lot better. To me, that is a big part of what this fucking pandemic was all about. I got a lot of calls from a lot of people having a lot of breakdowns because just their jobs were going away and their cars are, and this is legit. That's your survival being threatened. I get it. But it was very, I can't hang out with this person. I've been alone for too long. Da, 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 da. I can't date. I haven't had sex in six months. Like these are real fucking calls I'm getting of people really having breakdowns. And meanwhile, my little weird asshole self is just la 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 sitting in the house because I kind of went through a lot of fucked up shit in my youth and learned to have to go it alone and be confident in doing shit alone. Um, These people, I think they honestly, when you grow up in lack, you start to look around and like why I brought up my mom is that this was a woman who just went without. She learned how to go without. It's what you do. It's survival. And I think though, as black people, especially, and I know a lot of other poor white people and poor people of every race are listening to this, probably people from third world countries that were poorer than I can imagine. Listen to this and say, bitch, please. Because when you constantly have to go without, 
you start to get into this notion of, you know what, fuck it. I haven't, I haven't eaten a fucking fast food sandwich in three years. I'm going to have this fucking Big Mac. Or you know what? I'm going to buy this PlayStation 5 because it gives me a moment of release from the war, from Mm -hmm. the post-traumatic stress that I'm building. Please give me this moment of release. I need it. And people are built mentally different. And so I get why they need it. So when you get people who kind of like poke at what appears to be ignorance, I think it triggers like a, like a, oh my God, it's so raw. Please get away from me. I'm trying to survive mentally. Like I'm doing this dumb shit, what seems dumb to you because I'm trying to survive mentally. I know it's hurting me in the, it's like getting that hit. (laughs) Sorry, I know you want to speak. It's like getting that, that hit of your drug. Like, just let me have this, you know, get off me, man. Let me have this moment, which is why I just shut the fuck up about why a lot of people do the shit they do. It's not wise and it's not smart. And I do think for both of you, for all three of you, yes, like teaching youth. Yeah, that's the right move. That's the way you do it. Um, But that's why I say like our society is weird. It's all this flex shit. It's all this, you know, show off shit. That becomes the hit. That becomes the drug. I got to get this. I got to do this. And so like, yo, if you are listening to this and you took nothing away from this pandemic or it didn't change anything in your life, you're very lucky. But I really feel hopefully this kind of withdrawal from society encouraged a lot of people to start sitting with themselves and getting confident in themselves and realizing that a lot of this bullshit is a bunch of bullshit. It, it doesn't change anything for you. And listen, if you need that PlayStation 5 to get through the pandemic and you're going to pay $1,500 for it. Yo, that's dumb as fuck. But if it gets you through, you do it. I, I don't I don't know what else to say. It's like society is broken so much that I'm very cautious about, about like how I kind of like side-eye the fuck out of people. And again, when the pandemic started, we talked about this on an old episode of The Trash Talking, one of the first ones. When the pandemic started, I was having a conversation with my mom and she was like, oh yeah, I'm going to send you and your husband some dried beans, some powder milk, da, da, da. just shit she keeps in her basement because my mom was a kid of depression, mm-hmm. depression parents. My family is, I'm the youngest of 50 something, 90 something cousins. Um, first, like the first, food. yep. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, oh, uh, and she said to me like, I hope you're not scared. Uh, I raised you to to survive. She said something to that effect, like you were raised to survive. So like it gets into a lot of the shit. But y'all just, the big takeaway for me is get real fucking comfortable with yourself. This external world you are in is a bunch of smoke and fucking mirrors. Please stop buying into this shit. And even how I just sat here and said like, oh, I was so pissed about my last job and da, da, da. And you're going to get up here and do this performative stuff. Eh, fuck them niggas. Fuck it. You do your performance. You do what you got to do to survive and fuck the rest of this noise. Fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And just to, to tie it in with the episode, like I can absolutely see both sides and you know, it, what it comes down to is somewhere in the middle, you know, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I mean, there's probably a million wrong answers, really, but there is no win-win situation here. Um, and, you know, I feel bad for the family that has no home and I feel bad for granddad and Huey and, and Riley who have to deal with the family that has no home now living in their home. And um, 
I just, I, it's interesting. Like when we were going into, when we were going to record yesterday, I was like, oh, this episode just kind of bores me. It doesn't really do anything for me, but I didn't, I know, I know, but that's because, (laughs) no, it's a, it's a good episode, but what I was expecting from the conversation was not what we have now had for the last two and a half hours. Like this is, this has been a really good, uh, new look at it for me and how like, like the tangents that we went on. And actually this happens almost every episode for me, like the tangents we go on. I'm like, I had no idea we would end up talking about this or that or whatever. And I just, I really just wanted to point out that in this episode, like I'm really thankful that there was a lot more depth to the little bits of the actual show. Um, and that we could really relate to pieces. And I related to stuff even more talking than I did watching it originally. So, yeah. Mm. So do you guys have anything else that you wanted to talk about from the episode today? I'll give my quick take on it. Like I said, being an empath as well and having to learn to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Here's my take on it. Listen, y'all. I, you can't control if you're an empathetic person. You're going to feel bad for probably fucking anyone. You could walk up to me with a fucking bullshit sob story. I'm probably going to feel empathy for mm-hmm. you. However, having come, you know, to being full force in my uh, boundaries and my adult and my logic, yo, I don't give a fuck how bad I feel for you. You're not running game on me. Listen, this is the, the line you draw. You give when it feels comfortable to you. The minute giving does not feel comfortable for you, we're done here. And that's it. That That's the end of the story. You don't owe a motherfucker a thing and a motherfucker doesn't owe you a thing. And that is it. Give when you want to give and don't give when you don't want to give. That's it. I, I There's no, nothing else I can tell you. When you feel like I, I am uncomfortable, stop it right now. Mm. Move on. Oh, that's that's right. what I need to get good at that part you will well i know and now like putting down putting down like to my boss and saying i'm not doing this anymore i'm done i'm i'm you know like that for me was such a big fucking step like i've been on this path my entire life of working to where i am right now and now that i'm here i'm like no this isn't actually as what i thought it was going to be and i can't do it and i'm like i i don't ever feel brave (laughs) but I can honestly say that right now I feel like I'm doing the bravest thing in my life by selling this house and moving, Um, you know, completely changing my career. Well, not completely, really. It's the same career just without someone else's bullshit expectation and standardized testing that I don't believe in. And yeah. (laughs) So you got this. Yep. Yeah. Fuck yeah, bitch. And you know, you brave. Fuck. (sighs) Working on it. Working on it. (laughs) All right. Are we ready? I think we're... Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Stupid White People Questions. You mean I'm going to stay this color? (laughs) Well, hello. (laughs) I can't not giggle every fucking time. I mean, you got the jerk. Come on, Steve. Steve Steve Martin. Martin. I mean... You mean I'm going to stay this color? I mean, (laughs) especially considering we're getting into some of the really ridiculous white people questions. (laughs) Notice how I looked at the Uh microphone instead of you. I got it. I picked it up. You're good. Get in your microphone. I keep leaning back. (laughs) 
Anyway, so uh, as you know, we are on the TikToks, uh, as is Drake on with everything culture. Um, so, and we are we are buddies on there. Uh, but uh, I put out, as you know, uh, a request for stupid white people questions, and TikTok did not disappoint. Uh-huh. Uh, today's stupid white people question is from Peaked NHS, so Peaked in High School, I'm guessing, on TikTok. Do you run fast because you have an extra muscle in your leg? <laughs> See, so um, our our Patreon patrons have already heard me say, like, this is just like the fucking where's your tail question. Like, it's one of those things where there are white people out there who genuinely think that there is something biologically different about black people. And just it's. Which is very dangerous. Right. Just, are you saying black people are very dangerous? Is that what you just said? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, right, right. Like, and that's why X Men was making about us. Yeah, but, yes, uh, yeah. But and here I am, not uh, knowing which side to choose in X Men too. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they, when they understand, we got to come together. That's when the power happens. Mm-hmm. But first of all, I do not run fast, so I'm missing most of my yeah, stuff, I don't whatever that most of it is. Um, but no, that doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Like, you mean not everybody is Usain Bolt? Anybody you know, Usain Bolt does not have an extra muscle in his leg. Are you like, sure? I mean, like, it's... And across, he, he's fast and shit, and don't get me wrong. What okay? Then what about the white kid that's when breaking out of records right right now? Right. Please tell me you've seen he, that. He's he's got the vitiligo. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey, can I be honest? I'm so too. <laughs> can we be honest? I'm like I thought he was you know, something. I'm like shit, but he's not. Both his parents are white. And he's just fast as hell. He trained. He worked. He, you know, he comes with practice. Um, genetics. Some of these, I think both his parents are athletes. Mm. A lot of um, track runners' parents are athletes as well. So not only you come with those genetics, but you come with parents that you probably told you. they You probably run as a kid with them and stuff of that nature. Yep. Or in, in the case of a lot of, um, a lot of black athletes who were born in countries not ending in America. Uh <laughs> Because there are a couple of those, I think. Anyway, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think a lot of those, a lot of those, those kids will grow up. Like, um, I can't. I, I want to say it was Usain Bolt, but I might be wrong. There was a children's book that I actually read to my students not that long ago. That was about an athlete who grew up running everywhere because it was fun and ended up being a world. I, I think it is Usain, Usain Bolt. I need to find that. But like that's that for for him it was just part of his culture. We just kind of we go running everywhere. I don't wear shoes because you know I don't have to worry about asphalt and rocks and stuff like that. It's just dirt. And um, oh, that was like uh, the guy that um, now, now I'm trying to remember his name. He was uh, I think part Native American. He 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 actually ran. Oh, that yeah, uh, um, that was somebody else. That okay, but that was they someone. Had, they stole his shoes, so he had right. to run in dress shoes. Yep. Um, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> How hard is the running dress shoes? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it was either that or barefoot, and it was the Olympics. Yeah, so Jim. Da- it's like da- Jim something or during. Yeah, da- uh, in Germany. Americanized name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim uh, Thorpe. Thorpe. Yes. There you go. So, like, <laughs> people of color who have- he also played football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was signing up for football. That's yep. all like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's 
that's been a lie that's been perpetuated for generation upon generation. Henrietta Lacks. Yes. Black people exceptionality only in sports or whatever, but like they're exceptional. They must have something different about them because they're exceptional at this thing. Because we built different. No, right? we're not. You oh, know, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, what, what's from Louisiana? Oh, oh my gosh, what's her name? It was in. Um, it was she was in the 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 Coven American Horror Story. Angela, what's her name? Not Angela Bassett. Not Angela Bassett. Not Angela. The, one, oh, the, uh, the Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, her character. Yeah. Uh, oh Lord, Lalaurie, La- yes, La- Madame La- Lalaurie. Mm-hmm. That is a true story. Yep, yep, yes. Mm-hmm. And they didn't she, even do it as fucking gruesome as the true story. Not. Like they she used to not. like cut pieces off her slaves that I were mean, trapped was, in the ad- when I mean, the house was, was burning down. Was, yeah. She refused to yeah. tell anyone there were people in there to save them. There's so much stuff. That story is just. I'm glad y'all know the story. Oh I know. I also heard she never. She never, she never faced any caught. crime. Nope. Yeah, she nope. survived she and she moved back. And I don't what? know about her moving back. The, the stories I hear, they never found her. She probably did. Move that she back. got a yeah. I I heard she, that she, she had got gotten away. away. Yep, and I that's heard what kind of led the into the, and that's what yeah, that's what kind of led into the story where she was kind of found and they got her and buried her and things that well from <laughs> the story from you know Coven. I I but like the way that, that American Horror Story. <laughs> she in wanted to experiment because she thought our bodies were different. She wanted to know. Eugenics. Yeah, Mm -hmm. eugenics, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, all right. Well, there you go. I do want to throw in a fun fact here. Do it. Which is on my favorite episode, which I think we talked about. I might be wrong. The last time that Drake was on, The Legend of Jimmy Rebel, Uncle Ruckus sings a lyric where he's (laughs) like, that extra bone in they leg. But and we are going to do that. I promise we are going to do that episode. I will. I mean, I know it's they they've left. I know it wasn't on Comedy Central, and they've left it off of the 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 ones on HBO Max as well. So I'll have to. We're we're looking for other venues. I think it's out on uh, YouTube. (laughs) Oh yes. Anyway, it will happen. So yeah, we will cover. We'll definitely cover that one because it needs to be. So absolutely, (laughs) it's the best one. All right, I uh, I think that that should cover it is there any uh, final thoughts that you guys have about this episode or that you just want to say because you just love talking rip paul mooney rip paul mooney absolutely i want to say that if you came to us from tiktok you probably came because of that uh, that that tiktok and what the fuck do you call that that post okay i do want to say a ticker or a talk A ticker. A talker. I do want to say, give a big fucking thank you to Drake for being with us yeah. and making this episode especially so, so like yeah we've we the last couple of weeks we have struggled because uh, of you know heat causing brownouts in California and baseball mm. playoffs for this future MLB uh, kid that that MJ is apparently raising and <laughs> like it, seriously that's what's happening right now is her kid is, is playing in a championship game right heart now heart surgeries and, and Dean had heart surgery <laughs> and oh, it's just like the last few weeks have been really you hard okay, to get man? an episode out well, I, I remember so, you posting about this yeah, yeah. so I, I had a so yeah uh, and I have I know I haven't said it on here um, so yeah basically Friday before last I woke up uh, having chest pains and I've been having, weeks? yeah, it was the 14th. Uh, so, uh, and it had been going on for a month and a half. 
but they were not that bad. They, yeah, they weren't they were, lasting. They were, like, they were a couple of minutes. Is it heartburn? But maybe? I went in and I went in to see my doctor. My doctor said, "Well, if it happens again, it's more than five minutes. Go to the ER." Well, I woke mm-hmm. up on the fourteenth, and it was last. It lasted forty minutes. So mm-hmm. we went into the ER, and they did all kinds of tests. They did X-rays. They did. Uh, uh, EKGs, they, you know, they, uh, all this stuff that they, they did blood draws. So they're and they, so they found out there was no heart attack. What, you know, there's an enzyme that your body produces when you have a heart attack and that was not there. And so they were thinking maybe it was some real bad GERD. And so I was getting reflux up into my esophagus up here, which was making the pain in my chest. But they said, we want to give you a stress test just to be sure. And so, which he they, at the before going into the ER, they were going to make him wait until the middle of July. Mm. No, uh, June, June fifteenth. Okay, June fifteenth was well, yeah. Oh. So uh, I it so was I, over yeah. a month though from yeah. when it happened. So I had uh, um, where was I? So oh yeah, uh, so stress test. They they so they they take you in there and they put all the leads on you. And to get you ready to go on the treadmill, but first they get you, uh, they put you on a gurney and have you relax and they, uh, do an ultrasound. And so they, Mm -hmm. they did the ultrasound on my heart and the, the, the tech who was doing it, um, he saw something, he goes, well, I'm not sure about this. He goes, I'm going to call the doctor. So they called the doctor and he says, yeah, I see what you're, but I think we're, we're okay to do the test. So. I started the test five minutes in the pain starts again <laughs> and they put me back on the gurney and they start, they, they ultrasound my heart again and they, and they can see where it's like really constricting and not, and blood is not getting out. Blood is getting in. It's not getting out. So it's not oxygenating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's happening in what they call the LAD, the left anterior descending artery, which is also known as the widow maker. Um, yeah, that was fun to have the doctor say over you, and over again while I'm waiting. If you know, uh, if you know who Kevin Smith is, the from Clerks and yeah. Ball Rats, et cetera, et cetera, he had a heart attack from his widowmaker, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so yeah, that's which is why he's now lost a whole bunch of weight and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they uh, went in into my wrist. <laughs> and did uh, what they call a cardiac car- catheterization. Went into my wrist, up into my heart, blew up a balloon, put a stent in, and then they yeah. had, they showed me a before and after. And you could see it was like day and night with the, the amount of blood flow that was ended up going through my heart. So uh, even my resting heart rate has decreased by almost 10 beats per minute. Um, so, wow. which, I mean, it was not bad before. No, and- it was actually kind of low before but so yeah not, so now it's like yeah I, i'm in but now mid it's not 50s. working so hard when you actually are moving your body yeah. so uh, you're improved now, yeah i'm right? so I'm, I'm still healing up because i get you know it's it's it takes a while so i'm taking meds you know all kinds of stuff so but yeah I'm, i feel i mean i haven't it hasn't happened since uh they give me they've yeah. given me nitroglycerin in case anything happens uh but yeah nothing i mean since it's, it's so it's been almost two weeks now and and considering it was happening three or four times a week, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, so it's all good. I mean, fortunately, I've got lots of people who love me and are encourage me <laughs> to make make sure I got to the ER. Who finally, yeah, who finally <laughs> talked him into going to the ER after like three days hey, of going? Are you sure? Me. Are you sure? There's, no, we're going now. They're needed, putting on pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, but anyway, I feel much much better, uh, and uh, so. I, you know, I 
I now I just need to get some a little bit of exercise. Uh, they're telling me they want they want me to get up to thirty minutes a day, which you know I mean I, he's sedentary most of the time. So I work from home. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I, I work from home and I'm an they introvert. They were actually pretty, so. they were good with the diet because we'd already changed that to having an actual yeah. home-cooked meal most I nights. I do the HelloFresh thing. And HelloFresh, if you'd like to uh, sponsor us. Yeah, know. totally. <laughs> I, I can totally talk about how HelloFresh has had me uh, try food that I never would have as yeah. an autistic person who has texture issues. <laughs> <sighs> and anyway. how happy he is that there's more than three meals that I will eat now consistently. Yeah. So... <laughs> But yeah, it's got anyway. me got me cooking uh, and eating good meals and some vegetables and stuff like that. So yeah, I think uh, you know. And once so, it's not nine hundred degrees in the oh, house, yeah. Uh, or once, we move yeah, in somewhere well, that has we, air conditioning. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> air conditioning. I need me some air conditioning. That's the thing that I missed about you know when I'm moving up here. Everywhere in Texas, you could probably Drake, you could probably attest to this. There's no place that doesn't have air conditioning. You go from your house. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Like, <laughs> you go from your house that has air conditioning to your car that has air conditioning to wherever the hell it is you're going that has air conditioning. Yep. It's a life changing. And like, that's what we, it took us a while to find a place here in Seattle because a lot of places didn't have air conditioning. Yeah. Like, right. We're not staying anywhere without air conditioning. This no city way. has not embraced the fact that our climate is very different from what it was 30 years ago. And trust, and like this, even this year, I'm like, man, I got this a little warm this year. Last year, I was wearing um, the sweaters in June. I'm like, yeah. no, nah, not this year. Like, it's not the, right it's, now. Well, we usually have a January. Yeah, this is June second yeah. today. Yeah, so there mm-hmm. will be there will be like a two week period in the middle of the month that it's gray every day. But I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. normal. I mean, but because yeah, right now it feels it feels more like Texas with the humidity. It's so humid because mm-hmm. it's not That's really awesome. that hot. It's, it's, it's just good. very humid. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I can't uh, can't stand that. All right. So yeah, that's uh, so, all right. Yeah. All right. So um once again, where can people find you, Drake? Well, y'all can find me almost anytime you type in everything culture, boom, right there. And <laughs> that's an A. That's an A. Um, it's thing because I am from Texas. I am from the South. All right, this you, you, you know what I mean? All right. But there's oh, a V yeah. in there, it's not everything. Er, 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 thing that would so you're that you're looking at Georgia when you're saying oh, okay. er, if right. you're leaving the V off, all right, all right, it's different southern dialect. <laughs> That's right, because yep. once again, I'm from East Texas, which is close to the Shreveport, Louisiana, so yep. we have kind of a Louisiana accent, but not New Orleans accent, mm, and things right? of that nature. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very, very unique, yeah, it's 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 crazy because even when I go to Houston, I sound country. <laughs> Okay, yep. <laughs> um, but you get ch- um, almost on TikTok. We're on um, YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on um, iTunes. We're on Red Circle, which is our RSS now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check us out. Um, what's again? Um, Twitter. Where every T. A- only thing that's different is on Twitter. Anything else you're looking for is just everything culture on Twitter. Where every THG culture. Just right. Every THG. Every THG. And that will be in our show notes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, every THG culture. All right. And everybody else out there, don't forget that we are on Patreon now. If you want to hear more than than an hour and a half, let's see. Today's episode altogether is probably three hours and change, uh, but you're only getting an hour and a half. So, you know, if you even even be a cheap patron every month and you will get much more content from us. And we would love to have you. Yeah, you can get it in a buck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Even a buck. Even a buck. (laughs) All right. Uh, We will 
See y'all next week. Thank you. Don't take this the wrong way, bud. I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey, thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next time for Home Alone. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760 we Three undo. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audiovinger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.